Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to our next lesson, Lesson 16, in our Old Testament Bible History series. I invite you to follow along with this lesson in Genesis chapter 20. So here in this lesson, we're going to learn about, about Abraham and about the full picture of Abraham. It's called a faithless Abraham and a faithful God. Some people have the habit of posting pictures of themselves on their, on their internet accounts or on different apps. And if you were to look at these pictures, you might find that they have a very exciting life and everybody looks like they're having a good time. You might get the idea that they're a very adventuresome person. But if you were really their friend, you would know that you're not getting the full picture when they're just putting a few snapshots online. You see, you don't see on the internet anything about their day-to-day -day chores, what's, what it's like to live in their house, what it's like when they argue with you as a friend. And so the Bible does not do that. We don't only get the highlights of Abraham's life, we also get the lowlights. We get the times where Abraham fails, not just a few glimpses at all the times where Abraham is at the height of faith. And so this story of Abraham is given as an example for us and also a caution for us. So let's join our story. And Abraham and Sarah have lived in Hebron for at least 20 years. And now, after the destruction of Sodom, they're moving to Gerar. And there's some very rich pasture land there. Gerar is some ways to the west of where they're currently living. And just like when Abram and Sarah went to Egypt, Abraham and Sarah are now moving to Gerar, and Abraham is afraid of his life. He thinks they're going to kill him and take Sarah. And so Abraham and Sarah agree to lie about their relationship. They agree to say that they are brother and sister instead of husband and wife. They do this despite a clear confirmation from the Lord that they will have a son and his name will be Isaac. But they still lie about it. 
Abraham should have been extra protective of his wife to protect this covenant that God had so clearly confirmed to him. Indeed, he was guilty of this sin of lying about his relationship already in Egypt. And here he commits the same sin again. So sure enough, when they arrive in Gerar, Abimelech, king of Gerar, finds out there are visitors and Sarah is taken and Abimelech plans to marry her. In time, though, Abimelech has not married Sarah. In fact, we can read that he has not even touched her. What Abimelech does notice is that all the other ladies and women in his household are no longer bearing any children. There's an illness in his house. Probably when Abimelech is thinking about this, God comes to him one time and actually teaches and shows him, says to him, Abimelech, you're a dead man. You are as good as a dead man because you have taken another man's wife. And now Abimelech understands that Sarah is the reason for this illness in his household. And then he protests to the Lord. He says, I am innocent. I have my integrity still. I did not know they were married. They lied to me and said they were brother and sister. I have not done anything wrong, he says. And God answers him. And he answers Abimelech and he says, I know that you've been honest about this. And that's why I kept you back from touching her. You see, sin is our problem. When we commit sin, that's something that comes out of our heart. But it's by God's grace that he keeps us back from even more sin. Notice here in this story how God controls all events to protect his covenant. And so he tells Abimelech, you must restore Sarah. Because Abram needs to pray for you, Abimelech. Abimelech goes the next day to Abraham and he says, what have I done to you to deserve this? He says to Abraham, you have done things that you should not have done. Did you have any reason to think that I'd be so mean to you that you would lie to me? And Abraham then offers quite a weak reply. He begins to defend this half lie that he has told about his relationship with Sarah. He should have just owned up to his sin. He should have confessed it before Abimelech. Abimelech shows his great kindness to Abraham after this. He sends Sarah along with Abraham and he sends along sheep and oxen, servants, a thousand pieces of silver. And he gives Abraham and Sarah permission to live anywhere they want in his kingdom. Abraham returns kindness and he prays for Abimelech and the illness in Abimelech's house is now cured. In this story, we are still able to learn and to be taught by this story. All scripture is given to us to learn from. We can learn who God is. We can learn more about what God does. In fact, 
we can also learn something about redemption and salvation. But first, we also learn something about Christians as they live in this world. You see, Abraham was the friend of God. He's the father of all the faithful, but he's not perfect. We can see him here in the story sinning and backsliding. And so Christians in this world today, they sin too. We have no reason to be proud of ourselves. We have no reason to think that we can stand against the temptations of the devil. We need God to protect us and for his grace and mercy to keep us back from sin. We're taught here in this story that we should expect very little of ourselves. We're taught in this story that we should have compassion for other Christians when they backslide and fall into sin. You know, we're also taught to expect great things from God. Read along with me in Jeremiah 3, verse 22. There we read, Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. What a wonderful message that is for those who are backsliding like Abraham was in this story. We can see here in this story that God deals very graciously with Abraham. He could have dealt very severely with him in judgment. The next thing that we can learn about God is that God is a covenant-keeping God. God made this covenant with Abraham. You probably remember that phrase, I will keep my covenant. And so God is faithful to himself and he will keep his covenant. God is faithful while Abraham is failing. And so this covenant that God keeps with himself is an everlasting covenant. So God could not just forget about this promise or covenant that he made with Abraham because Abraham is proving to be very difficult or he's always failing. God simply cannot just forget about his covenant because Abraham is a difficult person. I would invite you to read Psalm 105 verses 8 through 10 and there you can be you can read in God's word about the everlasting nature of God's covenant that he made with a thousand generations. Something else that we learn about God is that he is often called the God of our fathers or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is a reminder to us when we hear that phrase, God of Abraham. That is a reminder to us that God is faithful. It's an example to us that God is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. Let me give you an example. There was a time many years later where the nation of Israel found themselves in a very difficult time. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 23. There we read, And the Lord was gracious unto them, and had compassion on them, and had respect unto them. And then the reason is given. He had respect unto them because of his covenant with Abraham. 
You see, the same God of Abraham lives today. The same God of Abraham blesses his people today. He's gracious and compassionate. He keeps his people faithful. He's the God of the living church, just as he is the God of Abraham. In the third place, we can learn something about the connection here to redemption and salvation. We see that it was not in Abraham, but it was in God that the foundation for salvation is found. So that means that Abraham is not saved and kept because Abraham is a good person, but rather Abraham is kept because God finds the reason within himself. You see, it is God's love for himself that means he will keep and save Abraham. It's God's love for himself that means he keeps his people today. So God saved Abraham by grace. Abraham was not saved by works. Read along with me in Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8. And in those few verses, Moses is giving a couple of reasons to the nation of Israel why the Lord has been protecting them and will protect them. This is what he says to them. He says, The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. And then he follows up with two reasons why God has chosen Israel to be a special people. Those two reasons will have nothing to do with the nation of Israel. The first reason is that he says, God has loved you. The second reason is that God keeps his covenant. And so that is a lesson for us that we have no reason to be proud if we have been chosen by God. God converts enemies and he makes them his friends. There's nothing in them that is somehow making God happy, but rather God chooses enemies and he turns them into friends. Paul wrote quite a long letter to the Roman church about this. And if you read in Romans 5 verse 8, we can read, the, we can read about this. And there in Romans 5 verse 8, we can read that the following words. But God commendeth, or showed, so, but God showed his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in conclusion, we see in this story here that God comes and saves a sinner by grace. He comes and saves Abraham by grace. He does not come to Abraham with judgment here. The promise is secure. The covenant is secure because it is based on God's love. It's not based on anything in the sinner. In our next lesson, we're going to follow along with Abraham and Isaac as Abraham's faith is tested.